Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Riley Noland about the role technology plays in the evolution of manufacturing facilities. Riley Nolan, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the San Francisco area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the role technology plays in the evolution of manufacturing facilities. Uh, You have a lot of expertise in this area, and it's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate you taking your time to share your insights with me and my audience. As we get started, I wanted to share Riley's bio bio with everybody. Riley Nolan is the co-founder of Tumiki ergonomics, a computer vision platform that automatically assesses injury risk in manufacturing facilities, where he has a strong focus on customer development and strategy. He graduated from Stanford in the symbolic systems department, where he was previously vice president of Stanford's entrepreneurial society bases. Riley has also developed a new fund of funds investment strategy at Silicon Valley Bank Capital. A pleasure to be with you, Riley. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? Yeah, absolutely. No, John, thanks for the introduction. Um, no, I think uh, if there's anything else just to be said, you know, obviously we are um, kind of at the forefront of computer vision and new AI technology um, in the world of manufacturing, right? So our goal is really to kind of try and bridge that gap, bring new advances in technology um, to, you know, a part of the industry that has traditionally been somewhat neglected from those advances. You know, our goal is to kind of bring about some of those major improvements and help improve lives with it. Well, very good. So let's start by just talking about some of the shifts and evolutions in manufacturing facilities, generally speaking. Uh, clearly, you know, the the economic composition of or the, the uh, sectoral composition of the economy has shifted dramatically over the last 50, 60 plus years. Uh, we used to be much more heavily manufacturing based, uh, less so now, but it's still a predominant um, and strong sector. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you have seen some of those manufacturing facilities uh, evolutions over the the past decade or so. Totally, totally. No, it's a very interesting question. And I think, you know, if you read the news, you'll see a lot of headlines and articles talking about, you know, bringing back manufacturing from offshore into the States, which is to say we have a lot of manufacturing that is offshore. Um, And that is certainly a reality. Um, I think the other reality is that we do still have a lot of manufacturing in North America, South America, you know, Europe, as well as in Oceania, as well as Japan. 
And what you'll find in situations in these countries versus, you know, let's take China, for example, is that you have a very um, expensive workforce, right? So you still have people doing manual labor, you still have manufacturing, but the expertise and the just cost of labor is much higher. Um, the result of that is, you know, there's a very high incentive um, and need to keep these people safe, keep them happy and, and keep them productive as well. Yeah, absolutely. So where China may have been the place for cheap labor in, in the manufacturing sector three decades ago. Now that's shifted more, right? So I hear a lot of talk about the growth of Vietnam, for example, as a right. place, uh, exactly. as a hub for manufacturing or or whatever, right? We could talk about a lot of different things in that in that way. But the reality is the that there are those shifts happening yeah. in manufacturing for sure. Um, and then what do you see like within a manufacturing facility? How are things evolving? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think there is a misconception, certainly in Silicon Valley, that, you know, factories are basically these dark places, right, where there's no human in the loop, there's no human in the floor, it's all robots moving around and building things. Um, that's just not, you know, where we're at currently. And in my opinion, and the opinion of our company is that that's not where we'll be, at least for the next 20 years. And the reality is that you still have a lot of jobs that require skilled, you know, individuals, I was kind of speaking to earlier, having that skilled workforce, of, um, you know, manual labor and machinery um, and, um, you know, manual inputs. Um, so that is what we see. You know, I, I think even The Economist had an article like a few weeks ago just talking about how this expected rapid, you know, um, industrialization in terms of bringing on automated, uh, you know, machinery um, during the pandemic, you know, kind of during 2020, it didn't really pan out, right? It didn't really happen as was expected. In fact, what we see is still such a huge, you know, demand in terms of manual labor uh, for these manufacturing sites. Obviously, you know, if you're looking at kind of the China example and Vietnam as well in Southeast Asia, you do continue seeing a lot of, um, you know, I'll just say cheaper uh, manual labor, right? Um, that is not so much the case anymore in, you know, Oceania, so Australia, New Zealand, uh, North America, as well as in Europe. That, that tracks with my experience, uh, which is a little bit older, but um, back in the early 2000s, back before I was going to school, uh, I'd spent a couple of years abroad. I had come back. I needed to save up some money to go to college. I worked uh, in a factory, and, and certainly there were some automations and, and robotics being used. Um, but it was it was mostly people um, in there doing stuff. And there were there were hundreds of employees that worked in this factory. Um, and I was one of them. And I have to admit, it wasn't my favorite job ever. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to to do that job, earn money and then go to school and, and not have to do that again. Um, but the reality is there there's all sorts of highly technical jobs that happen within factories. Uh, and and we're, we're certainly, you know, 20 plus years later, we're further down the path of automation and robotics and, and the use of all those things than we were back when I was uh, doing factory work. But it's still not like you think about oftentimes like uh, how it gets talked about in popular press or TV or movies right. or whatever. It's right, it's not right, all robots. Right. And that's that's your point. And yeah. I just want to reemphasize that because it certainly is still not the case. And I, I work with um, with manufacturing facilities, sometimes in a consulting role. There are still plenty of people doing uh, really important jobs. Uh, to help those facilities run. Uh, yeah. And we're not to the point where everyone's been replaced. No, and I think, no, and thanks for bringing this up too. I mean, I think, and this is a really, this isn't a bad thing, right? This is actually a very positive thing, in my opinion, right? To build these robotics and, you know, these these tools, these automated tools to do some of this really 
fine grained uh, manufacturing is really tough. And in fact, you know, there's plenty of startups in the Valley itself you know, and everywhere else, but certainly in the Valley of trying to solve this problem. And it turns out it's a very difficult problem, right? You can have a little bot that moves a pallet box from point A to point B, right? That, that's a solved problem, easy enough. But to, if you're a big car manufacturer, right? And you need to make a new model of your car every year and it's slightly different, right? So you can have that nice margin, right? And upsell. Um, reprogramming your bots and your robotic arms and your CNC machines and your facility to do that, it's tough. And, you know, it just turns out it's just much easier. It's much better to, you know, continue having people um, in that loop. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of the goal of Tamiki, right? With that realization, we want to come in and make that process as smooth as possible. Um, also keeping in mind that, you know, these are still people. Um, they're working very hard. Uh, they're a critical component to any company, let alone to, you know, the United States manufacturing base. And, you know, our hypothesis is that a safer individual or a person who's working more safely um, is, is healthier, is, you know, not concerned about being injured five, 10 years in the future is also going to be more productive and just generally happier. Well, let's talk a little bit more then about ergonomics. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Tumiki Ergonomics, of course, you're focusing so much on the the safety side, the the injury yeah. and risk side, and that brings in the ergonomic piece. An important piece to note too, you know, uh, we focus exclusively on ergonomics, which is to say musculoskeletal injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries. So we're looking at combating someone walking away five years after a job with a terrible neck sprain, right, or a shoulder strain such that they can never lift their arm above ninety degrees, or lower back pain, right? Which is certainly kind of the poster child for musculoskeletal injuries. Um, What we don't focus on are other things like lockout tag out or slipping off a ladder or, you know, something in that realm. So we're very, very focused, very niche um, kind of attempt to um, really eliminate all injuries um, in a manufacturing sense. So, you know, the idea behind ergonomics is there is a correct way to do a job from a joint angle measurement perspective, right? There's a correct way to bend your back when you're lifting a 35 pound box, and there's a very wrong way to be bending your back, lifting a 35 pound box. Um, what we do is, you know, using computer vision, we allow individuals to just take a video of themselves doing that task. So let's take the easiest, most simple example. You are moving a 35 pound box from point A, you know, a pallet of boxes onto a conveyor belt. Um, and you do this, you know, eight hours a day, right? So using our product, you would basically take a video of yourself doing that job moving that box from point A to point B, you know, two or three times. And we'll tell you, okay, at this point, about 15 seconds into this job cycle, you were bending at a, you know, a really bad angle for the fact of lifting this 35 pound box. Um, What that is, maybe it's 25 degrees, 35 degrees, whatever it is. Uh, Our product tells you why you were doing it incorrectly, how you were doing it incorrectly, and what you can be doing to actually perform this task um, in an ergonomic, so, so as to say, safe way. Yeah, and that's huge. If, like you said, if if you're doing this, you know, one box lifting it over, and you don't do it in the right way, probably oh, not that yeah. big of an impact. But when you're doing it repetitively, uh, an entire shift, multiple shifts, day in day out, even over years, I mean, that's yeah. where you get to these repetitive um, injuries and and the workers' compensation um, yeah. claims and and all of that kind of stuff then comes as, as people experience those injuries. Uh, in the workplace, uh, I just recently had to have, um, and I'm going to have, I'm going to have surgery on my right arm too, but I just recently had surgery uh, on my left arm in my elbow and my wrist for repetitive motion injuries 
um, probably that I sustained when I was working at the factory 20 years ago. It's been bothering yeah. me for forever. And I finally decided to take care of it. And uh, and I need to do my other arm, too. And, and that was only for a, a relatively short period of time. And so people yeah. who who do that, you know, as their career job, it's no wonder that as they get yeah. older and your body is less resilient, um, you're doing all these repetitive motion tasks that it's going to take a huge toll on you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And the the big problem here, too, is that unlike a slip and trip or unlike you break your arm, there's no discrete point in time you can point to and say, ah, yes, this is when, you know, my left, in your case, right, my left arm was injured, right? It's just that kind of build up that routine stress and strain of, of doing whatever tasks you were doing that have caused this chronic pain. Um, so when you go into the doctor's office, right, and you say my back hurts, um, you know, I have strain in my lower back, it's, it's, it's an incredibly difficult problem to solve uh, for this very reason, right? So the hypothesis is if we can really catch it when you're doing it incorrectly, you'll avoid that entire situation of repeatedly putting your body in a stressful, in an improper, in a bad ergonomic um, positioning. Um, and that's, that's, that's how you solve, that's how you eliminate these injuries, these problems. Yeah. So you, you described a little bit, uh, at least one example of the box and, and taking a video of yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking a couple, uh, a video of yourself doing it a few times that gets analyzed using yeah. this computer vision um, technology. Uh, can you give us some other examples of what that might look like in a factory setting uh, or a manufacturing facility? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it totally depends on what the factory is doing. So the really nice thing about, <clears throat> you know, the Chimiki platform and our technology is that it's agnostic to the tool or sorry, to the job that's being done. It doesn't matter if you're lifting a box. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, welding some kind of widget, if you're working on some kind of battery on like a, um, you know, wind power or turbine. Um, the fact of the matter is what we do is we screen for and check are your joint angle measurements in an improper dangerous position. And it turns out, um, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, uh, per se, what matters is how you're doing it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to answer your question, um, you know, we analyze jobs, um, you know, across a variety of different industries. So, you know, automotive, um, you know, energy production, as I was mentioning with like, um, you know, wind turbines, um, heavy industrial manufacturing. So, you know, trains, engines, that sort, uh, food processing, you know, as you can imagine, um, a lot of times, you know, the example that comes to mind for food processing is that you'll have a conveyor belt of, let's say, sausages or, you know, prepackaged cheese, whatever it is, right? And you will have individuals whose job is to basically kind of move them from the conveyor belt with their hands and wrists into a box. Um, There are ways to do that where you can put your wrist into very bad positioning, right? And you can very quickly develop carpal tunnel syndrome. So what we do is we come in and kind of, you know, lay out, okay, if you're twisting your wrist at this time, don't do that. Um, You know, there there are other ways to perform this job um, such that you're not putting yourself in harm's way Um, and kind of presenting that information in a very easy to read, easy to digest and take action on, you know, actionable um, way. So tell us a little bit more about the results that you've seen uh, in working with yeah. your clients, uh, facilities that have implemented this comp- the computer vision technology to look mm-hmm. at the ergonomics and, and to do those analysis. What are you seeing uh, in terms of the, the risk uh, and yeah. injury reduction uh, and any other kind of bottom line measures that would be helping organizations? Totally, totally. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, what's really exciting for this technology is, you know, there's this kind of this term in, in Silicon Valley, there is taking humans out of the loop 
and there is technology that keeps humans in the loop, right? And this is very much a human in the loop technology and platform, right? And I think that's important to say first and foremost is that I think AI can kind of come with this um, thought that it may be taking people's jobs away. It might be a threat to people's livelihoods. Um, that is certainly true in some of the technologies we're seeing, you know, um, we'll see what happens with ChatGBT, but I think with computer vision tools and AI tools in the sector of ergonomics, it's very much a human in the loop solution. So by that, I mean, the process of doing ergonomic assessments or ergonomic due diligence is something that's been done, you know, for the past 30 years, and it's still currently done, even for organizations that have never heard of computer vision, like Tumiki Ergonomics, right? What you'll do is you'll walk out on the plant floor with a you know, clipboard, paper, and pencil, and you will by hand get the joint angle measurements and you will throw that into some medically predetermined ergonomic assessment and you'll get a risk score. This is a high risk, this is a low risk. Um, it's really tough to do that by hand, right? Probably takes you an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes depending on how you know your experience in this field. Um, using our tool takes you about a minute, uh, tops you know maybe four to five minutes to get that assessment result. So. The big, you know, kind of thing we come to when first kind of talking with potential users is you're going to save a ton of time, right? You're not going to spend your time trying to identify hazardous jobs. You're going to spend your time, you know, take take videos, you know, five, 10 videos. There you go. Maybe that's 45 minutes in your day. And now you're actually going to be able to spend your time making actionable progress towards eliminating injuries using the information from the Tamiki platform. So that's the first thing, right? Huge time saving component. Obviously, with that information and just the fact you're doing so many more assessments and you have such a you know, deeper insight into these uh, jobs that are causing injuries, you do have a reduction in injuries as well, right? So what we've seen typically is a year-over-year -year savings for a given facility of about $200,000 in injury reduction costs. Um, so that's a big thing as well. Um, the last thing I'd say too, which is somewhat hard to quantify, um, but I think there is something very powerful to being able to see visually how you were doing the job uh, from a safety perspective. So one of the things that the Tamiki platform does is we actually draw this nice little, we call it the 3D skeleton rendering. It's a nice little 3D skeleton, you know, that goes over all the joints angle measurements uh, of the individual. And if you replay that video, what you can see is, well, as my back was bending in a terrible position, this skeleton went from green, which is good, uh, to red, which is like, not good, right? This is bad. And to get that information and to open that dialogue between people on the safety staff uh, towards, you know, people on the line, new site managers is incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I think, of course, there's these bottom line benefits, as as we both mentioned. Uh, but let's not forget just the human element and the human benefit of just having good, healthy, safe people. Uh, we oh, should yeah. want that anyways, regardless. So even if there wasn't, you know, cost savings due to, you know, lower uh, health care costs or, or fewer claim, you know, uh, health claims and those sorts of things. Um, you know, lower absenteeism, lower, um, you know, instances of people not being able to do their job, you know, yeah. all of that, even if that wasn't the case, we should still be trying to make sure that our people are safe. But the truth Absolutely. is, it is the case. It is the case. And and it's a no brainer that not only should we take care of our people because we care about them and we want to treat them with dignity and respect and we don't want to exploit our workers. We should also make sure that we're doing it because it will help us save money. It will help our be people be more productive. It will help us attract and retain better people because they're not 
hurting, you know, from, from doing these jobs. Yeah. And, and, and they see it as something like when, when you realize you can do a job like this and not ruin your physical health not be injured, yeah, and not be injured, then it becomes a viable option, right? A viable long-term option for people yeah. uh, instead of maybe a stepping stone, like it was for me. A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, what, gets me very excited about, you know, to make ergonomics that the work we're doing is that there is this huge alignment of incentives, right? It's all of a sudden, we live in the world we live in. And, you know, I guess the bottom line at the end of the day for most really any manufacturing facility is the bottom line, you know, their output, their yields, how much money is being brought in. But it just so happens when you add into this mix technologies like to make ergonomics and computer vision, uh, streamlining these safety protocols, you have a huge alignment of incentives where not only are they saving money, um, you know, increasing productivity, um, you know, getting further insights into their, their production cycles from a safety perspective. But people are also safer. Um, people tend to be happier. People tend to work longer. They tend to stay at the same company longer. So now you don't have to retrain someone for the same job every, you know, four to five months. So so it's, it's a very exciting byproduct of this technology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And less people listening think that who would actually stay at a, you know, in a manufacturing facility or in a factory for their entire career. Well, I'll tell you, when I worked in a factory, 80% of the people there were people that were career, you know, lifers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and plenty of people do that um, for their career. And the question is, how long can they do it before their body gives in on them uh, and they yeah. can't do it anymore? And so this is really, really important. And and ultimately, you know, I want uh, to be able to go to work and make a contribution, but not have it take away my ability to go home and enjoy time with my family. Or, you right. know, if I'm looking forward to retirement, am I going to be able to do anything in retirement? Uh, you know, so these are the things people think about. And the, and the reality is it can be a very viable option. And it is for many people. This can just make it all that much better. And and I was talking with a CEO of a manufacturing facility in the Northeast uh, a couple mm. months ago, and he was describing you know, their, some of their efforts in, in the space around uh, injury and risk and safety and such. And, and he was describing their turnover rate and in the, in the industry, you know, their normal turnover rate would be fairly high. Um, but at, at his company in his facility, uh, it, it was, it was like one-tenth of the industry average. And why? Because they gave so much attention to this. And we know how expensive turnover costs are for an organization. Uh, like you said, if you're bringing new people in every you know, four to six months and having to train them and get them up to speed uh, and all yeah. of that, uh, not to mention just the recruiting costs and everything uh, associated with it, um, you know, it's, it's a huge cost. So you have those cost yeah. savings. You, there's so many different ways that this is truly beneficial to the bottom line of the organization. And of course it's, it's, it's humane and it's, it's uh, it, it, it shows our people that we care about them when we take care of their health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said it better. No. Uh, I mean, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a great alignment of incentives. I think people are realizing that you know, and certainly now in the current job market, right? It is a worker's job market, right? They can yeah. kind of have that purchasing power to decide where they want to work. And why would you want to work somewhere where you're going to be injured and in pain 20 years after doing the job? Um, yeah. There's no reason. And, and so I think, you know, kind of tackling it head on, realizing the facts that we now have the tools to actively and effectively tackle this problem. Um, it's an exciting, it's an exciting thing. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Riley, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, in getting in touch with our team, um, probably the best way is visiting our website. That's www.tumeke.io. That's T-U-M-E-K-E. -E. Um, we do have a free trial um, on the platform uh, for 14 days. Um, basically, if you're curious about the technology, just kind of want to try it for yourself, maybe even try it at home, um, you can sign up there. Uh, you'll get uh, the application on your phone as well as your laptop, and you can just use it for 14 days, see if it's helping you, um, something you would be interested in using. Um, I guess in terms of a last thing to say on the topic, you know, um, I think for us, it's this particularly exciting time to be you know, trying to bridge that gap between new technologies, you know, things that have been kind of in the R&D sector for the past 10, 15 years that are now being brought into the public domain in the sense of, you know, kind of general industry, right? And being a part of that journey and helping people is incredibly exciting for us. Um, it's what we, you know, really pride ourselves on as a company. And it is also what we will continue to be doing uh, for the future. Wonderful. Thank you, Riley. It's really been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Riley and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. You enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.